Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Thank you for listening to Try Love. Uh, I am Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. And we have two special guests today. Ooh. I'm Charlie. And Eric. Charlie's my sister. We are uh, hanging hanging with the, what is, what rolling, is she saying? Rolling, 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 rolling with the homies. Well, hanging with the homies? <laughs> yeah, okay. I can tell you yeah. just watched this last night. So. Yep, and <laughs> sort of watched it. Oh, good. Uh, but we were going to be talking about Clueless today, uh, which y'all saw at the Trilon. I watched last night. I'm going to probably take a backseat on this one, but that's okay. I don't need to be the focus of every single episode, do I? Sometime would be nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you would like me to take the limelight once in a while? Uh, I understand that we're going to try and get Eric and Charlie to provide a summary, sort of a so, plot summary of this movie. Right, because I think the, the thing is that uh, we, me, Jason, Cody, are not big fans of this movie, or like not historical fans anyway. Um, we, I think we all saw it for the first time at yeah. the Tron, or you saw it last this night. This was mine, yeah. Um, had you seen it? I had seen it before. Oh, had you? Yeah. When? Uh, previously in my life. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that, and now I do. Uh, anyway, so Cody is a fan. Uh, the, the rest of us were not. Uh, but Charlie, you and Eric have watched this several times, right? Yeah. Well, I've seen it maybe four or five times. I've seen it less than that, but multiple times just with you. Yeah, just with me, probably. That was like a tradition, right? Yeah, Valentine's Day. <laughs> we would watch Clueless. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good one to do on that day. It's a great Valentine's Day movie. Isn't yeah. it set around Christmas time, though? There's a it's lot. in California, though, so like, you can't really tell. Don't right. <laughs> yeah. Seasons don't matter. Yeah. No such thing. Good point. They have one Christmas party. I think it just takes place over a whole entire like school year. semester school or something, year. right? Yeah. yeah, it does go on. It yeah, goes because, on because be, yeah, because um, in the very beginning, I don't know. She's like Christian will be here next semester because he's yep. one semester in Chicago oh, and, then they and get one semester here. Yep. And then he wow. So then he comes in second semester. Wow. So it is yeah. a full, so school, a full year. school year. Is she a junior in high school? She, I, I think she might be a sophomore because sophomore. she's she's trying to get her driver's oh, license because yeah. she That's turned a 16. good point, too. She's, yep. Yeah, she's yep. 16. Which nice. Weird. Yeah, she'll be 16 in May. Well, in May. actually, she, she turned 16. She was 16 at the beginning, then she turned 17. Yeah, I know, you're right. You <laughs> might not be able to hear you. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Yeah, she, she's 16 at the beginning, and then I think she turned 17 because I think at the end Paul Rudd was talking about how she's 17. The chronology of it is not my. <laughs> I'm not positive it is much about debated it, but, on the internet. Uh huh. But yes, yeah, so I think it is a full school year. Is okay, the, is the time frame. And uh, it's based on Jane Austen's Emma, which um, I've never. Re- I don't think I've read a single word of Jane Austen. Sure. Oh, really? Uh, no. There's wow. school. There's an adaptation of Emma that's, that's not actually a defense. pretty good. What? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, there's an adaptation of Emma that's actually pretty good and that's fun not, to watch. That's not clueless. No, like of the actual Emma. Right. Like oh, it's called okay. Emma. Uh, do you remember who stars in that? No. Okay. I'd have That's to look right. it up. I can't. It's a series. Oh, okay. Interesting. Is it like the Pride and Prejudice of... Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's like a BBC series. I'd have to look it there up. There are probably several yeah. different adaptations. Um, there are like 
seven or eight different adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. Well, it's in the public domain, isn't it? Are Jane Austen's works in the public domain? That's a good question. Mm. Uh, Anyway, we're going to try and figure out exactly what this movie's about and what happens in it. Can you guys guys want to take point on that? (laughs) You can start. Well, I'll get right up on that (sighs) mic. Okay. Well, I'll try, and we can see. So basically, it's about this what fifteen-year-old girl in the beginning, at least, right? Fifteen or sixteen. Fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Named Cher Horowitz, and she lives in Beverly Hills, and she's the most popular girl at her school. Um... Basically, the movie revolves around her living her life, you know? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so, like, over the course of the movie, it's about... The main plot of it is kind of about her relationships. Her relationships with other people, including this one new transfer student who is a girl who is nothing like Cher and who she decides she wants to make over to become a popular girl. And that's the big Emma thing, is that Emma sort of brings uh, a woman under her wing into high society in the Jane Austen novel. Um, And so that's the the connection there. That's the the high level plot. There's a lot of bleed there with Pygmalion and uh, My Fair Lady, right? Uh, a little to reform bit. Yeah, a person sort of, yeah, that's a good point. My class. Um, I didn't know this movie was based on a Jane Austen book, so I thought that it was just taking... A My like, Fair Lady thing? Yeah, taking broad strokes from My Fair Lady, but please continue. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the, the girl's name is Ty Frazier, right? Yeah. And she's played by Brittany Murphy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like sort of a, a like a Seattle skater type. She's from New York, right? Oh, is she's she from, from New York? I think she's from the Bronx. She's, oh. East, she's East Coast. Oh, she, that makes sense now. I wondered about that. She's kind of like grungy. Dumbass. She's oh. used to doing like, like her friends like do drugs and are skaters. And Cher is very much like a very sheltered California girl who's... And very rich. Her her dad is a litigator, right? A lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are some fun scenes with that. And, like, that's also Cher's, like, superpower, right? Is that she's inherited her, her father's ability to argue. She can talk her way out of anything. Right. Yeah. From a C grade up to an A grade in her, like, hardest class kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I understand there's a whole lot of romantic intrigue to this movie, too, beyond the whole, like, trying to bring Ty into the L.A. culture. This movie has a lot of plots happening uh, all at once. Many subplots. A lot of things happen in a year in high school. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's very realistic. It is. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. I did. I (laughs) like just talking about how this movie is structured. I do like how open it is. Um, It did feel very reflective of what high school is like, especially over the course of a year. It reminded me of kind of like an OG Simpsons episode. Um, so just like bear with me here. Like there, <laughs> like when I think of like an episode of The Simpsons, it's like we spend the first 50 to 70% of the episode to like get us to a certain point through like weirdly connected circumstances. And then like the episode happens at the end. And with Clueless, it's like we're at report card season um, so, okay, we need to argue our grades back up. Oh, in order to do that, we need to make Wallace Shawn uh, a match. And, oh, wow, helping people is really fun. So now we're going to help this new kid. And then, like... Heavy it, scare quotes around helping, right? Right, right. right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, air quotes. Um, <laughs> and, like, with introducing Ty to this, uh, to this school, to this friend group, to this scene, like, the rest of the movie kind of opens up from there. Would you all say that that's kind of accurate? Yeah, I think that that the whole like introducing Ty to uh the to Cher's world is like the the A plot and sort of like what what prompts the rest of the story. Um mm-hmm. Ty's like kind of the POV character, not really cuz Cher is the the protagonist. Uh and she has 
pretty frequent monologues, right, to the camera? Well, she does. You hear her inner thoughts a lot, which mm-hmm. is great because Cher's inner thoughts are amazing to listen to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Honestly, me, t- is me just too. Her uh, Cher her. Alicia Silverstone um, is a fantastic character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what did we like and dislike about this movie? I'll, I'll let you start, Eric. I think my favorite part is just Cher's character. For sure. I feel like you can call her a valley girl or like a ditz or stupid, but she, I think everybody underestimates her and she definitely, she helps people and she Mm -hmm. can argue her grades, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people discredit her a lot or would think that she would just be stupid. But in the end, she's the one who, like, really helps people and takes care of her father and takes care of her family and helps other people. And that that discouragement and uh, underestimating happens both in the movie and outside the movie, right? I think so, too. And I think if people just look at the movie and say, oh, it's just about some, like, stupid, like, Mm -hmm. valley girl, I think that's not really the point of the movie. Right. And I mean, like, she's such an icon. And then I think with becoming an icon, everybody will automatically just look at the surface level of what that Mm -hmm. means, and it kind of discredits her character. You might have to speak into the mic a little bit more. Oh, that's fine. We can can level it out. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, I and I definitely think that the movie itself is is smart enough to to form uh, an argument against those readings of it. Um, Like, the the movie is definitely doing something with ideas of female empowerment with Cher. Like, she is she is a character who is both a uh, material girl in the, the truest sense of the word, but also, like, the movie seems uh, seems to consider that not a bad thing or ultimately comes down on the idea that, that Cher is okay as she is um, and, and doesn't need to be somebody who she's not. I think... <coughs> sorry. No. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. It's not like you need to put her in a certain category of is she like uh, a stupid person or just like some teenage girl or is she somebody who's like a good person and Mm -hmm. can help other people I feel like the movie makes it so she doesn't have to be one or the other you know what I mean she can kind of be be both if that makes sense yeah totally um like for instance my favorite scene maybe in the movie is when she's mugged um, which is, which is like, yeah, it's, it's well. a weird scene to have for your favorite scene, but like, it like becomes very real, uh, yeah. very fast. Uh, she, um, she, she's given a ride home by a dude who wants to mac on her basically. And she turns him down very well and he abandons her in a parking lot at a liquor store. Um, and then a dude walks up to her and puts a gun to her head, which, like, that is not this movie, right? Like, this right. is such a silly and fun movie. And then, like, but but even that, like, she handles so well. I mean, like, she, she whimpers and it's she, like, is funny about it. But she also does, like, exactly what you should do uh, and, like, handles it really well. And then immediately after it, the dude leaves, she, like... Uh, she collects herself and she calls uh, Paul Rudd's Rudd, Rudd? Rudd. Wow, Jesus! Paul Rudd's character and uh, Paul Rudd boy. Paul Rudd boy. There is a ska band in this movie, by the way. Yes, yes. it is. Of course, there it is. Nineties. Are we talking about the, <laughs> the Mighty Mighty Boston? Mighty Mighty Boston. Oh my God! Uh, I might argue that that scene never really felt real because it's almost played like entirely for comedy. It is, in as that, a lot of movies. Yeah, I. I 
it's one of the things that I didn't love about it is that almost everything is kind of shot for the piss. You know, it's just it's just there to be a punchline for something else. I didn't love the movie. I gave it two stars on Letterboxd, which don't hold me to it because I might change that later to like you one should. and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Uh, mm. I, I can tell I'm in the right room to be saying this <laughs> with these people. No. Jason just doesn't like comedy conceptually. Uh He's told me this many times I also times watched uh, Captain Underpants, the first epic movie this weekend. There's a character actually played by Jordan Peele, this white nerdy Wild. character played by Jordan Peele. Very, very well. Watch this movie. Uh, I will not. Who is anti-humor <laughs> boy. That's what I'm going to be today. Just <laughs> sure. like no sense of humor, no laughter. Um, Harry, it sounds like you didn't like anything about this movie. Like, like there's nothing that you didn't like about it is what I'm trying to say. Oh, there's plenty I didn't like about it. Uh, it's problematic in the most 90s ways possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's ultimately a pretty conservative movie. Um, It's not interested in critiquing or deconstructing the culture that it represents at all, I don't Mm. think. I think that's fair, right? I mean, like, I don't necessarily think that that's an indictment against the movie Mm -hmm. um, because of what it's doing within being a comedy. Um, But, like, even compared to something like Valley Girl, which is by no means a subversive masterpiece right. or deconstructive work like this compared to that is is much less interested in thinking about where share came from uh, or like what it means that that people behave this way um at least on my reading i think i mean i would say that that's probably true i feel like a lot of clueless is it's like the setting and the way that the people talk and dress is there to add to the movie, but not necessarily be a part of what it's telling the audience. Mm. It's it's there to enhance the comedy. It's there to give you a quicker and better idea of who Cher and her friends are, but they're not necessarily saying anything about those. Mm-hmm. It's a super fun like movie, and it's very like like aesthetically pleasing to get to see all of that stuff. But for sure, like Valley Girl, it's not trying to deconstruct that setting. Mm -hmm. It uses that shorthand, as you're saying, to like personify these characters. But I think that sort of gets in the way. I think you were talking about that earlier. Sort of gets in the way of the deeper reading of the character sometimes. Like when she almost has no real moment of uh, self-reflection or introspection where like even near the end, spoilers, where she decides that she wants to pursue Josh, Paul Rudd's character, uh, I'm not obeying my own mic rules, am I? Uh, she, I think every decision she makes in the movie, even if it's like, quote unquote, a selfless act, she somehow positions as a For selfish her own act. Like, which is tie- which is uh, called out in the first act as the thing that needs to change about who she is yeah. um, by Paul Rudd's character. He says, like, everything you do is selfish. And, like, if you did one selfless thing, that would be amazing. I would, like, lose my he mind. Would die- well, he would die if... if, if- she did something, and then he said, she goes, that would be reason enough for me to do it. Right. That's yeah. a great line. Uh, really good, sharp writing uh, yeah. in this movie at a lot of points. Um, it was written by the director, Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckerling. Yeah. Who also did uh, Best Times at Ridgemont High right. and uh, a National Lampoon movie, too. Mm. I, haven't I haven't seen the National Lampoon, seen but Fast Times movies. is great. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Cody. Yes. Um and I, all I will be doing is merely echoing, I think, the points that we've touched on recently and that this is uh, a satire. It is a soft satire and sometimes probably softer than it should be. Um, Jason, you pointed out pretty accurately, I think, that she never really has the moment of reflection that would probably be warranted. Um, she can get away with making very classist, homophobic, transphobic 
remarks and we can chalk that up to just being like this is the white valley um but in the end her arc isn't really about becoming a better person i mean i guess to its credit by the end she is uh told to her face in one of the greatest all-time cinematic burns um you're pardon me if the wording is a bit off but you're a virgin who can't drive yeah um like that version of ty sporting the same kind of Clothing that Cher's been wearing throughout the whole movie, that is, like, her, that, that is Frankenstein's monster, that is a person of her own creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, after that, I wasn't super convinced by the resolution of everything because it was just her realizing, oh, I love Josh. Yeah, uh, it is interesting how that resolves, right? Yeah. Like, you, you are set up to think that, that Ty and, uh... <clears throat> I almost called her Emma, but Cher's relationship is is the focal point of the movie, and it really fizzles out. Um, there, there's like a final resolution scene where where Ty seems to have sort of uh, resolved to be more herself after she's sort of gone through this ordeal where where she is she tries to be somebody she's not, um, and she's she's watching the the skater dude um, at his competition and Travis Birkenstock played by Brecken Meyer. Thank you. Please continue. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they they just basically like hug it out, and then that's it. And then that's not the the like climactic scene of the movie by any means. In right. fact, I think Ty disappears from this movie for like a large swath of time, so that they can explore B and C plots involving um, what's his name, the uh, her her gay would be boyfriend Christian Christian, Christian yeah. Who's also, that's a great part of the movie. Uh, it's it's interesting and weird, uh, but but Ty leaves and then Paul Rudd's character becomes like the the focal point for the climax. Mm-hmm. Um, and like like you guys said, uh, <clears throat> her her resolution to become a better person is prompted by realizing that she loves Paul Rudd and wants to be somebody that he can like. Yeah. Um, but to the movie's credit, the movie knows that it's doing that, and it seems to suggest that that's okay. Um, I, I would say, like, that is true. I think that is part of it. I think, because I was kind of just thinking about it when we were talking about how Ty becomes super mean or whatever to share, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it took... Because obviously that's like when Ty is dressed up like Cher and um, talks like her and stuff, It's Cher can see that reflection of herself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. So she, she says like, Ty has become me and I hate Ty now because she's like a monster. So now that's, so it took her, it took Cher to see herself in somebody else to realize I don't want to. It's a fantastic take. Well, right, because after... After she sees Ty um, super popular and basically turned turned into Cher. Turned mm-hmm. into little Cher, like she sees, Cody said. She sees how much that isn't a good thing. Right. And I think that also, and I mean, yeah, sure, she, she wants to be good for Josh and stuff like that. But I think that also prompted her to want to change as well. And, and the reflections she goes through at the end of the movie, um, silly though they may be, are real. She mm-hmm. sees the good in people that she didn't see before. And sees how she doesn't have to change. She does. There's a whole well, sequence where she talks about that. Well, she talks about it, and she's like, I like Christian because he wants everything to be beautiful and, like, be interesting and stuff. So she kind of takes little pieces of her friends and what they can offer uh, to put into her own 
right life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she kind of it takes that she's so self absorbed maybe in the beginning of the movie yes. where she only can see what's good about herself, mm-hmm. quote and, unquote, and bring that to other people. And she bring that she to wants other to make other people into her image, literally, like you said. But at the end, right, she has that reflection where she says, you know, this is what's good about this person. This is what's good about that person. So it's kind of like she's seeing how other people. And other how, people's qualities and how she can bring that into herself. Right, so it's how kind she of can learn reversal. from them instead yeah. of instead yeah. of her learning from or from, instead of her trying to control everybody and make them just mm-hmm. like her. Yeah, like that's absolutely her arc. That's that's right. Charlie, it seems like you've had one. Yeah, I just like I was gonna say that during that climactic moment with Ty, I would say that after that moment, Ty does disappear for a while again. But then when she comes back, she tells Cher she's like dressed in not Cher clothes, and she says, "I crossed a line and I needed some time." And so, like, I think that was also Ty's lowest moment, not just Cher's. And we don't get to see Ty's arc, but it's kind of like that clash was really big for Ty as well. Because the next time we see her, she is dressed differently, and she's at the skate park being more true to herself. And Cher the, has changed The as clash well. you're talking about is the, the argument that culminates in the burn that, that yes. Cody brought up. Yes. Which, uh, set that up, what, what happens again to bring them to that point? So Ty comes over and she's talking about um, getting rid of all of the stuff from this past guy. From that, Elton. From Elton that Cher had tried to set her up yeah, with. Yeah, and they don't actually have any chemistry. That was just something Cher wanted, right? Yeah. Right. It was just like this idea that they should be together, not really that she actually liked him. And now she's talking about how she likes Josh. And Cher is not happy about this. Josh is Paul Rudd's character. Right. And part of that has to do with the fact that, like, Cher's like, well, I don't think that the two of you guys would mesh well together. I don't think that you're right for each other, which is interesting because Ty is now Cher, basically. So Cher is saying, like, because you're me, you wouldn't do well with Josh, Mm -hmm. which is equally upsetting because Cher also wants to be with Josh. And that's what ultimately leads to her reflection about how... yeah. Right, she needs to change as a person, which happens during like a um, a sequence where she's walking through the city, right? Mm-hmm. Shopping yeah. and stuff, right. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And so, and so, it's interesting because they get into this big argument about how she's not right for Josh, and then they have this big blowout, and then the next time they see each other, they've both kind of gone through their arcs. I I guess I guess my take on that is like her arc isn't as or is impactful or didn't have like the peaks that a lot of people who see this movie seem to feel it does. Maybe this is just me being like first watch cynical two star Jason, but like I don't know. It seems every time that she's doing something that's not toward her own interests, it's at least through a lens that allows her to perceive it as her own, it, toward her own interests. Like she starts collecting uh, food and clothes for I'm forgetting what cause. The Pismo Beach disaster. Which is, I don't think, is a, it's not a real thing. Okay, I was just about to ask. You seem to have a whole lot of first-hand knowledge of the Pismo Beach disaster. No, it's just... What they, a they say, that they, was fantastic. No, well, I mean, they say it like 20 times yeah, in the movie. Yeah, that's true. They so. do. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think it's a real thing that actually happened. They just mm-hmm. made it up for the movie. Uh, but to that end, she, like, she collects these clothes, but she, she does it, like Harry was saying, so that she can better position herself to herself as somebody that... 
Josh could like and love. Right. But I think that, like, that's okay. I think that what the the movie is trying to say is it's like, if you are becoming a better person just because you want to become a better person, that's an okay motivation to do things. I definitely think that there's something to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially the way that this movie frames and foregrounds um, <clears throat> fashion and clicks and specifically, like, very teenage, very um, traditional forms of identity management and identity sort of maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we, this is a movie about image control um, and and how that manifests in all sorts of different ways. Like uh, Paul Rudd's character is also doing image control. Uh, he grows a goatee at one point. Uh, in maybe my favorite scene of yes. the movie, um, Paul Rudd. Uh, has his funny little goatees reading Friedrich Nietzsche by the pool. Um, <laughs> he's basically the Timothy Chalamet of this movie yeah, in that he, moment. He's, he's he's his, his character is that he's uh, a college student, right? right. And, and he's a very traditionally pretentious, uh, artsy-fartsy sort of college student. He's very concerned with the world and his place in it. And he watches the news. Like I think that what it, what do they show on TV? Is like maybe like the Bosnian War or yes. something is on, yeah, <laughs> on the television. Right. Yeah, uh, and then Cher comes over and busts that wall right down with, "Hey, granola breath, you've got something on your chin." <laughs> the we should point out also that the goatee disappears after that scene, never to <laughs> yes, return. <it> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that part of the movie is pointing out, like, how is what Cher is doing to better herself any different than what Paul Rudd is doing right now? Or less valid, right? Right. And, like, like maybe the idea of that sort of um, conscious and um, maybe from our perspective silly or vain or um, shallow forms of identity management can lead to actual self-betterment and, and self-actualization, as it seems to have done for Cher, or as the movie seems to suggest, uh, whether or not you think it actually does. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there, there does seem to be a sort of, which, which, which works well with my understanding of this movie, um, which is essentially the sort of a defense of silly teenagers, sort of in the same vein as Valley Girl. Um, except that Valley Girl is is more critical of the sort of social underpinnings of that um, form of um, teenage dumb. Right, right. (laughs) Those were words. (coughs) Or something. I I guess the thing that rubs me the wrong way about Cher in particular is that, like, all of the people that she claims to care about, that she wants to be around, that she wants to have intersect with her life, she's got to change in some way to sort of fit her worldview. And I don't know if that's what the movie's saying or if it's commenting on that at all. But it just feels like with Ty, she had before she could really associate with the girl, she had to make her her project. She had to, like, bring her up to fashion. She had to teach her, you know, how people act in these cliques. Um, with uh, Christian, the guy was either going to be her boyfriend or like her sassy gay shopping friend, like could not just be a person, right? (laughs) Couldn't just be like her friend. Uh, With, there might be something there too with Dion, uh, Stacey Dash's character, which Stacey Dash is like a pretty shitty person these days, right? I don't know the details, but I think you're correct. I I think you're correct. Uh, I don't know. It just like, I don't think that for me, Cher ever crossed that line of from like being a selfish character to who incidentally happens to help people uh, for whatever reasons she does into like a selfless character who is admirable or like 
I guess, relatable in that respect. I, sure. I, I mean, this is, you, this is the limit of my life experience. You taken are as like a straight white guy <laughs> who's 26 years you old. You are describing act one share, right? Like, I think that you just very accurately laid out the character and the movie's criticisms of the character at the start. Um, like Eric said, like you, she sees only what is good about herself and she, her version of making friends with people is remaking them in her image. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like where the contention is, is Charlie, Eric, and I seem to think that the movie does a good job of taking her on a journey away from those things and mm-hmm. towards somebody better. And you maybe don't think that the movie earns that. I I suppose I don't, but I can't identify beyond what I just said uh, exactly a reason why that sticks out to me. Like, it feels like by the end, after she's gone through this whole, after she's ostensibly gone through this whole thing where she's trying to, you know, collect um, collect supplies for ravaged families in Pismo Beach. Uh, she's, like, she's still just doing it to get a guy, right? Like, she doesn't outwardly wear that the whole time. Like, she meets the stoner guy who's no longer a stoner, I guess. He gives up gives up marijuana at the very end, and he's in a 12-step program to give up marijuana. Yes, is that which a- is another, that's another motif running through this movie is, like, really weirdly deep-seated conservatism about uh, right and wrong. But that's a whole other... Right. I don't know. I, I don't need to rag on the character of Cher anymore. I, I do want to know, like, since there are, is such a... It, it got a respectively diverse cast, I guess. Like, there are several prominently featured people of color, um, and I guess, like, in a way, Christian is representation of the homosexual. There is one queer character. We get one. <laughs> like, he's there. I guess it's not the most nuanced. It's there. Uh, but I just, like, I'm curious about, since it is such a character-driven movie, what everybody's favorite and least favorite characters were, who you found, like, actually interesting to watch and not. I'll just, not everybody to talk at once. I don't know. Shut it, up. I don't know if it's the, uh, the character I liked or just Dan Hidea. Um, but I really liked Cher's dad. Um, <laughs> he's a cutthroat litigator, but I think he's a low-key amazing father. Uh, would anyone refute that? No, I mean, I think he had a great relationship with Cher. Like, there was that one time at night when he, when she was like, oh, dad, there's this guy who I like who doesn't like me back. And he just looks at her and goes, how is that possible? <laughs> so good. It's such a sweet line. Like, yeah. Like, he always seems to know just what to do to get through to his daughter and, like, kind of, you know, teach her to fish rather than just give her fish. Yeah, um, that's a good in, in, in a situation where she could be given anything in the world. Um, and I also, unless I maybe misread the moments of him interacting with just Cher or just Josh, does Dan Hedaya know that these two are, like, in love or are going to fall in love? It super he, doesn't he, seem like it. Seem, I was going to say it oh, seems it, like he does. I was yeah, he I totally agree. does. Oh, like, no. Which is kind of creepy because... It's, yeah. I, like, cards on the table, I think that maybe one of the reasons why this movie doesn't work for you, Jason, is because, like me, you were creeped out by that. I was pretty... Yeah. It is, I'll admit, that's the one part of this movie that's a little bit... It's tough. The fact that they're, they were step-siblings, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and besides that, the fact that Cher is a teenager and Josh is like 19 years old. Yes. He's in college, right? Yeah he's, yeah, he's the first year in college. I will say that, honestly, it's kind of easier for me to forget about that because every single movie I watched growing up had an older male lead with the girl who I identified yeah. with. 
So, like, I mean, one of my favorite movies was Aquamarine. I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie. I have that movie. Um, and the main character is like 15 years old, and the love interest, who she like gets like to talk to at the end, and they don't get together, but they kind of do, is like a first year in college. Oy. And like, I loved that movie. So, yeah. like, for me, like, this is just like. Yeah, that happens in movies. I just don't think about yeah. it. You know, like it's kind of normalized. <laughs> yep. Um, we can easily shrug off that Ariel in The Little Mermaid is what thirteen years old, <laughs> like trying to romance a grown man. Wow. Just figured I'd throw that one out there. As mermaid well. movies are just all over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was that most recent one? The, uh, the the club or the show or something like that with two mermaids who exist in the real world? Oh, was this a couple years the ago? Lure? The Lure. Yeah, yeah. The Lure. Yeah, that has a Criterion yeah. release. It's a good movie. Are they also like twelve, and everybody who loves them no, is like thirty-nine? Okay, um. but yes, to your point, uh, I believe that the dad totally knows okay. because there are several scenes, oh, like man. the party scene, where he's like, "Well, if you think you should go, yes, that's great evidence. That's what yep, I was I'm super wrong. Yep, because like right after uh, he's like, "You don't need me here," right, and Paul Rudd walks away. He like. Folds his newspaper in a very knowing dad Bad way. Kids, like, yeah. definitely knows <laughs> little that they're going to be yeah. danking. Uh, I really love Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rude's relationship. Did you wait? Did you say danking? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, don't you mean like Paul Nice? 39 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's Paul Rudd. Please. Rhymes with Elmer Fudd. I'm sorry. Eric, do you have any comments on the fact that Harry keeps calling him Paul Rude? <laughs> it's just incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have to say. Yeah, that about sums it up. Savage. <laughs> that about sums up my presence um, on this podcast. You're just a name mispronouncer who can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Knives out. Um, but yes, besides the age difference, which I admit I very, like, should not, but definitely do kind of overlook for sure. this mm-hmm. movie. Um, there is also the problems with the fact that they can use the R word multiple oh, times. Yes. yes, they do. Um, um, yeah. Like, unapologetically and without examination. Yeah. Um, which is like... Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, just like that, and then also, like, the queer stereotypes and words that they should not be using, terms for Christian. You know, yeah. there's a lot in there that's very problematic, so totally valid to dislike the movie for those things. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Like I can overlook those things just because of who I am as a person, but like if you don't if you are unable to or don't want to, then like yeah, totally hate the movie. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh I was gonna say I I, I think one of the characters most responsible for some of those problems and for some redeeming qualities is Donald Faison's character, Murray. Yes. Is it Murray? Uh, yeah. Uh, whom I, I've liked Donald Faison since I saw him in Scrubs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like Scrubs quite a bit. It's still a fun show. Uh, but, like, his character has some, and his relationship with um, Dion has some highs and lows, I guess. Like, he does refer to her as, uh, by some demeaning terms, but they address that in, in a, like, a pretty audience-facing way. It's that, it's good. It's frustrating, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, it their their relationship has a power dynamic that is not necessarily represented by actual male female power dynamics often, right. um, which makes the fact that he's doing those things, like saying misogynistic things, humorous because he's not oppressing her. When in oh. fact, like often people who say those misogynistic things are also like 
terrible people who are oppressing their loved ones. Well, I mean, like, they have a lot of, like, lampshading moments, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, he says something misogynistic, she calls him out for it. He, like, has that little line about how, like, oh, it's just colloquial, like, whatever. It's it's, just it's mocking, but not necessarily misogynistic or yeah, whatever term yes. like, he uses. He, like, like, he, like, looked, it's obvious he, like, read it verbatim from a book or something. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's like, that's humorous, and it's funny, but it's also just calling out the fact that you're doing something not good. Yeah. They're, they're also the only black couple in the movie, yeah, which, nobody... which gives that an unfortunate and sort of uncomfortable racial tinge, in my yeah. opinion. Um, obviously, I'm a white dude, so, like, I don't want to comment on that or, like, don't think I'm qualified to, but it felt weird to me that, sure. like, yeah. Um, and on top of all that, whenever uh, Dion and Murray do get into, like, a heated discussion, um, we do just, like, move on to something else or, like, at the party when Murray's getting his head shaved and then they get into a big <laughs> argument, they just kind of, like, shut the door. Man, like, I... we never get to explore any of those things more than we're given. I'm that just head shaving, that just keeping it real. That head shaving scene is so good. <laughs> she opens the door and God. and his his friend is shaving his head and she's like, what the hell is are you doing? And he's like, I'm keeping it real. Yeah. Like, he says, he like, says that, like, real. that's I'm why I'm doing this is because I'm keeping it real. It's so good. <laughs> and then she calls his mom. <laughs> yeah, and he freaks out. I, uh, um, I I will say, like, it's not for his, uh, specifically Murray's uh, or um, Dion's, like, openness or, like, uh, uh, sort of acceptance as people kind of thing. But, like their relationship has a certain quality to it that, like, I don't feel in a position to assail, specifically because of what he, that one line where he mentions um, it's mocking but not necessarily misogynistic. It's part of, like, you know, uh, it's going to sound really tone-deaf and racist of me openly, but, like, part of hip-hop culture that he's, like, just sort of repeating lines that he's probably heard in, like, rap music of the time, right? Sure. Yeah. Scratch scratch your chin more, Harry. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, like, like, I think it's fair to say that, like every other character in the movie, he is trying on personas. Yeah, that's right. He is trying to emulate a certain persona, and so he uses misogynistic characteristics that are in that persona to further his, like, how people view him. And so even if he doesn't feel that way, he feels the need to use it to Mm -hmm. be part of his identity. That's really so smart. That's 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 what I was trying to say, just better. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's, it's for that reason that I can, like, I don't know. Again, maybe it's probably like that normalization. Like, I've just become used to characters referring to women as, like, demeaning terms in, uh, in like, affectionate ways, right? That I'm able to watch that scene and be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, the movie really wants it to be like, ah, that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, maybe doesn't work, but, you know. I mean, uh, Eric, I'm sorry. I feel like we've railroaded you. You, you had something no, to say, what? and I we sort of talked over it. When was that? What do you oh, mean? I don't know. I <laughs> felt like you, you, I don't know. Maybe that was too long ago now. Start talking. We'll do it again. Don't sorry, worry. We can edit start. this out. No, or I don't remember. No. What it, we're talking no. About. about, like, Dion and their relationship. Well, okay. I mean, and, like, and I don't want to, like, defend, like, the use of those, like, terms or whatever, but, like, what, like junior in high school is going to be like incredibly woke on like women you know what I mean yeah so I think it's yes I'm it's not like that should be like excused in any way Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's like maybe more realistic that isn't you know what I mean and at least and I think and I think and maybe it is kind of like ham-fisted but I think the fact that Dion is uncomfortable with that and expresses that I think that's okay to express that she was like uncomfortable with it and even if Murray wasn't necessarily taking it to heart by like reading it verbatim from whatever he you know looked something up mm-hmm. like 
and then just repeated it back to her. I mean, at least that shows that he understands and take, took the effort to like. And Dion is a strong, you know? realized character, right? Which I helps some so. of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, to to that point, you're that is a good. I mean, like, again, like you said, it shouldn't be excused, but, like, I did hear the R word every day in elementary school and, and it, junior it, high well, and high school. Well, it was the mid-90s. Yeah. And not to ex- excuse that language, yes. but, like, I don't think at that time it was necessarily... I mean, now we can obviously be like, ooh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I mean, I don't... People use that, that word. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, now it, like... I mean, I because I hear it, and it hits my ear wrong. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, in it, 2019, And, like, but. it is in character with the movie's attempts at, at representing the language used by high schoolers really accurately. Yeah. Um, where, like, these high schoolers also swear a bunch. Mm-hmm. And, like, occasionally really funny ways. I don't think anybody says fuck in this movie. That's PG-13. Like, yeah. So. Th- there are lots of... Uh, Shits, I think, is, like, the big one. Uh, Cher says that, like, all the time. She says shits? shits. is the big one, yeah. <laughs> shits. Shits you know, is the, bi- the That's thing going that to be the tweet say. that accompanies uh, this podcast. Shits is the big, shits one. Is the big one. Harry Mackin. Good. Uh, so I've, I, I think, was that actually your favorite character? Was was the dad coding? I just thought he was worth mentioning. That's fine. Well, and, I think, and I think that there's a lot to say about, we kind of we actually talked about this, but, like, Cher and, and her father's relationship. And I think he's very helpful. Cher is very helpful towards her father and in that relationship there is nothing like self mm-hmm. um, that's a good point yeah from the very from beginning even and he points that out to her he's like who do you think gets my lunch ready who do you think takes care of this house Cher's been doing selfless things from the beginning it's just that because they're kind of like quote expected of her mm. nobody yeah, ever kinda, points it out get into that too yeah, yeah. she kind of took over like her mom's role maybe she did absolutely but, uh, like, that's, but still she's trying to be helpful yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I mean it's like just because she's not going out of the way to help other people because like it's her own family and of course she would take care of her own family she doesn't get credit for doing it that's right, an interesting right. point uh, so part of seeing the good in other people is also re-examining the good in herself, right? Like yeah. maybe she had sort of internalized some of people's understandings of her as a, a selfish, materialistic person. Okay. I think you're changing my tune on this. Like there's only so much she can do to, I, I guess, undermine or uh, or subvert the like tenets of her class. And if <laughs> uh, collecting aid for disaster relief because she wants a guy to like her is the way that she does that. Can I say that's a bad thing for a person to do? Can I say that I wouldn't have that same like motivation? And if the end product is like aid for disaster relief, is it a bad thing? I think you're maybe y'all are, I mean, the discourse is helping here. (laughs) I don't think that this is a movie that's, that's fundamentally (laughs) uh, interested in um, the critiquing the culture writ large of America or even of the Valley Girl sort of movement mm-hmm. in the same way that something like Valley Girl is. Um, I think that this is a movie that uses, like you said earlier, I believe, that culture as a backdrop to explore a different idea about mm-hmm. adolescence and identity. Um, and so, like, I think, Charlie, similar to the way that you said it's valid to dislike this movie for valid or for problematic themes, it's, like, similarly, not quite the same, obviously, but it's it's valid to be, like, well, like, I'm grossed out entirely by, like, this culture. Um, I think that that would be sort of unfair, maybe. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's 
I, I think that, that like, this is a, a movie about rich people. And, like, that's just something that, like, you'll have to, like, understand. And this is a movie in which it's possible for rich people to be good people. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you think that's impossible, like, that's going to get in the way of your enjoyment in the movie. But, like, that's just, it's not, it's not a class movie, I don't think, in any, by any stretch. Right. I, no, I'm, when I say that, I think you're changing my mind about it. I, think yeah. it's be, I, I don't think it's based on anything in the movie. I think mm-hmm. it's sort of us taking sure. that, swirling it in this disgusting slurry of words and thoughts, <laughs> and then me applying that like a mask back on uh-huh. the movie. Eric, you looked like you were about to... No. <laughs> uh, I really, Stop I trying I really to read like... people's expressions, Jason and I Harry. Do, I mean, I do have a lot of like thoughts going on, but then... Do you need some paper or something? Write them no, down. No, don't no, you no. forget. I them. really liked uh, Eric's characterization of Cher's arc. That's that's huge for mm-hmm. for me, um, especially the way in which she can start to take in uh, positive elements of other people in her life. Because we saw those positive elements over the course of the movie, and we saw how they affected her. And so in that way, that arc does feel earned to me because we were there to experience it with her, right? Right. Like, we got to see those people and how they interact with each other. Yeah, I mean, like, to use Christian as an example, because he is actually not in a lot of this movie, especially at the end. Yeah, he's like a weird introduction in the second act, mm -hmm. and then he disappears as of the third act. Right, but like just Should we do some... Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Should we do some background on who Christian is? Oh, sure. So Christian is this guy who moves in for second semester because his parents are divorced and he goes every other semester. I believe that's how it is, right? Mm -hmm. And um, very good-looking, very fashionable... Um, very charming and flirts with Cher, flirts, you know, like mm-hmm. compliments her shoes. And the way things. that they flirt is interesting, too, because he does it in like this socially mandated way that makes it clear that he totally understands the the dynamics at play. Oh, yeah. And that's sort of almost what's attractive to her. He yeah. calls her Duchess. And, one and like, yeah. oh, I love that. Or just like, like he, he plays the game so well. Well, and I like mean, playing the game that well is like almost mm-hmm. a big part of what's attractive about him. But like Cher sends herself flowers and chocolates and stuff, and like so totally, <laughs> he totally knows what's going on. They pan over to him, like looking at her, and it's like it's not the fact that doing those things would make him jealous. It's the fact that like she's doing those things to make him jealous, and he knows that she's doing those things to make him jealous, which means she's interested. She's peacocking. It's like yeah. it's mm-hmm. a whole like mental game that they have going on which she loves anyway so they go out on like a date and they go dancing and stuff and then with a ska band with a ska band (laughs) the mighty mighty boss tones yes and um it it goes well at first but then he wants to stay and she doesn't and there's this whole thing but then they go out they have like a second date where Cher thinks that she's going to sleep with him um, what was the lighting line? About the light? Well, he's going to come over, and obviously she needs to prepare. And so she goes, so when he's going to come over, she first goes, first we had to develop a lighting concept. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's my oh, favorite. Sure. like one of my favorite lines of yeah, the Yeah, we should go movie. through oh. later and, yeah. and do our favorite lines, because okay. there are well, a lot a of very we've great lines. We've used that line a lot. Like when we, when we hung up like your Christmas lights in your bedroom, we yeah. were like, we need to develop the lighting <laughs> concept. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously it's, He's not into the fact that she wants to sleep with him. And the moment that he realizes that's what she's doing, he is like, I'm tired and leaves. And then it's later revealed by what's his Murray. 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 Yeah, that he is gay. And she's like, oh, how could I not have known this? That's that was another maybe silly point of contention for me. But like, why would Murray be the guy who would know that? Right. That's like, a good. I've wondered that, too. 
Like, mm. Cher would be the person to know. Like, well, she's so canny in so many other ways. I don't think that Cher would know Her to look. Her name is Cher. <laughs> I don't think Cher would know what to look for because she's just so sheltered mm-hmm. that, like, gay people are a thing that you hear about on TV. They don't exist where yeah. she lives. Huh. And you I, know? I think it's part of, like, it's probably locker room culture that told Murray that, like, Heard it through the sure. grapevine kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's why at that moment... Locker room culture and hip-hop culture. Yeah, I'm, I'm really breaking out all the hits. <laughs> uh, but probably, like, not to stick on this one plot point too much, but, like, when I when he was saying that, I was like, maybe he's, like, is he wrong? Is he generalizing that character? And then it's like, no, that, that character is exactly what he's saying. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, uh, yeah. But... I mean, the signs are there. And if you, like, if you know that he is gay and then you watch it you can tell because he's like flirting with like at that when they go to that party he's flirting with like the bartender Mm. it's supposed to become obvious to us before it becomes obvious to share right yeah well yeah look at him he's not talking to any of the other girls yeah Yeah. exactly so i mean it's i don't think he was just like oh i he stereotypically seems gay so i Mm. think we think he's gay but i think there are he's not that secretive about it yeah. And the fact right. that he does flirt with other guys and stuff. Sure. Right. There's also so. a lot of kind of like behind the scenes foreshadowing, not behind the scenes, but just like in the backdrop, he's shown at museums looking at like relatively homoerotic art. Yeah. That um, took me a couple uh, watches to realize. But yeah, so that the, was a good catch. Yeah. The, and then the movies, and this was a rewatch thing, but just and looking up IMDb trivia afterwards. Hell admittedly, yeah. Um, the movies that they watch, there are two Tony Curtis movies. One is Some Like It Hot, <laughs> yeah. which is cross-dressing, and then the other is... Uh, I can't remember the exact Spartacus. movie. Sporadicus. <laughs> where, uh, that's what she calls it. Yeah. Where there's, right. like, I don't know, that's a scene of, I don't know too much about the movie. I've never seen it. But it's just, a, like, he's oh, trying yeah. to, it's like, woo his. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah, um, but, yeah. but to the point. It's played of, for laughs. Yeah. Yes. For him, for his character, at first she wants a boyfriend, right? And then after she realizes that she's he's gay, she wants like a shopping friend, and mm-hmm. they go out, and he becomes one of her best shopping friends. But then she during, says that explicitly, yes. he has become one of my best shopping friends. Yes, but then during that monologue where they're going between scenes, and she's talking about what she can do with her friends and what she can gain from them, they're at an art museum, and he is explaining to her what he likes about the art, and she's patiently listening to everything that he's saying. So it's like this friend isn't what I wanted. Oh, now I can turn them into something else. And then after her arc, it becomes, what can I gain from this interesting person? Mm-hmm. So. And that that is the movie's um, sort of stab at resolving all of the subplots, right? Mm-hmm. Is is ultimately what Cher has learned from those subplots and, mm-hmm. and how they have affected and changed her for the better as a person. It uh, even has like a specific scene where they show montages of the different people that mm-hmm. she's met and yes. stuff like yep. uh, between mm-hmm. Murray and Wallace Shawn and, uh, and Wallace Shawn and, and Mrs. Greenkey. Geist. Geist. Yep. Yep. You really We're just going to call him Wallace Shawn. I was going to call him Mrs. Grimkey. I don't know. It started with the G. Is that a person? I... I don't know if that's a person. Is that like the person from Annie? Is that like the evil person from oh Annie? God. Mrs. Grimkey. <laughs> uh, so we're not going to dive too much into that, but there is like <laughs> Oh, that, we are, sir. That, there is that, I'm just going to keep talking then. <laughs> there is that scene where they like go back through all of these relationships and like how... Uh, how she perceived them before, what she's learned from them, what like how they've changed over the course of the movie. Like she didn't do not say anything about Mrs. Grimkey. <laughs> the Grimkey sisters were the first American female advocates for abolition and women's rights. I did a right thing, <laughs> finally. Um, 
But yeah, it, it, again, that, that whole sort of la- that crickets. <laughs> that would have been a great thing to name a to teacher. Discourse. That would have been pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I'm I'm done. Um, uh, if uh, are we good with what we just said there? Because I want to move to another talking point. No, go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Uh, Sweet transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to pivot. Are we I'm done? I am the host. <laughs> um, a lot of what I've read about this movie, like twenty years on, kind of thing. It well. Yeah, more than 20 years on now, right? It's like 24 years old. It came out in 95. 95. Gull dern. Um, Is that... We're dying. (laughs) Is that uh, a lot of people, specifically feminist readings of this movie, are that, like, its strength is that it shows positive female relationships. Like, just women that empower women and women that support women, positivity, etc., Uh, which is true, but I want to get your, the whole group's thoughts on, like whether or not that's actually effective or whether it feels facetious because like in the end it is ultimately like a super heteronormative pretty conservative view of like what positive female relationships look like and that they're all very like traditionally uh femme women by the end i mean the one lesbian in the movie i forgot about her earlier we get two um the one <laughs> lesbian in that movie is a gym teacher who's very yeah, like that butch, sucks. and yeah. it's like cool i mean she's at the wedding at the end and she wears a tux mm-hmm. and so it's like all right mixed feelings but i don't know i wasn't sure if she was actually um a lesbian or if that was just share imprinting like characteristics on female gym teachers in any case though it was still bad it is kind of um because what she says is when she's trying to find somebody for um what is, well, i can't mrs grimke <laughs> no 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 the, the, the oh for some reason the, the, shit. the guy teacher <laughs> Oh, what's his uh, name? Wallace Shawn. Mr. Um, Wallace Shawn. Well, <laughs> uh, Mr. Wendell Hall is his character's name. Oh, Mr. Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when she's looking around the the room mm-hmm. or whatever, she just says, "In the in the grand scheme of of like in PE the grand teacher, tradition tradition of mm-hmm. PE teachers, she's same sex. She's of the same sex. Of the same sex so like, it's hard to know yeah. if like that's a fact or if yeah. she's just kind of. I mean, they also do. That to her. They also do creepy things where like. The the lesbian uh, gym teacher is teaching a young beautiful girl how to use a tennis racket by putting her arms around yeah. her, and the girl seems kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, that's like a very famous trope. Yeah, and, very shitty. and it's it's really gross. <laughs> but yeah. So sorry, I touched your leg just now. <laughs> Why are you sorry? <laughs> Why are you talking about it? This is an audio podcast. <laughs> Uh, Nobody viewers, listening realizes how small this room is. <laughs> viewers will note that I touched Cody's leg. <laughs> uh, um, but I think in terms of, because when you brought up like the female empowerment mm-hmm. stuff, and I don't know, female maybe I'm not 100% like, qualified to talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I probably should have prefaced when I was talking about it, but <laughs> well, I'm well, less I mean, qualified. But I think with the concept of, um, this is kind of a random like jump, but like I was thinking about the topic of virginity yeah. was kind of interesting because uh, at... After Elton and Ty had kind of something, I kind, they're at the restaurant, that restaurant, and then yep. and then they're talking about like sex or whatever, and mm-hmm. then Ty figures out that Dion and Cher are both virgins, and it's kind of like, it's how do I want to say it? It's not like a huge deal, right? Well, yeah, it's more. 
It's not like it has to do anything with them. It's more of just like an interesting fact about them that she didn't know. It's not like a you're well, better yeah. than me or worse than me because mm. of this. It's it's sort of a shorthand for how actually sheltered both of those people yeah. are, right? Yeah. In ways that are kind of it's kind of shitty, uh, but it's 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 there and like they talk about it. Right. And then after Dion loses her virginity, loses it. Um she she becomes like closer with Ty and Cher feels very left out. Mm-hmm. And so that's really sad. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I do think that the female friendships are really cool in this movie because even when boyfriends are involved, it's always I don't know. It always feels like the female friendships are first and like foregrounded. The, most, the foregrounded thing. And then the boyfriends are like an off to the side character thing. Mm-hmm. And Cher hangs out with Dion's boyfriend all the time. But Dion's boyfriend also leaves. Like it's not like they're the main relationship and she hangs out with their friends. It's that the friendship is the main thing. And then the boyfriends come in and out as they do in different scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it ever stops really being about boys but when they're like mm-hmm. when they finally have real I'm thinking specifically of the scene toward the end after it's after Ty has said the whole like Virginia can't drive line mm-hmm. which again f- like in the confines of this movie an incredible burn brutal really shitty thing to say but um and then when she apologizes near the end and they're both like very uh contrite about it it's and it's a very positive because they realize that they've like engaged in these typically sexist uh ways to 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 hurt to undermine each other and they explicitly talk about it in that in that very scene yeah Yeah. while they're walking around i think it's during the um disaster relief thing or whatever uh but there is that like redeeming moment of those two characters having like a genuinely positive self-aware uh conversation about their position as like women who are allied with one another Uh, i think that's like the probably the strongest evidence toward that point that I was talking about where a lot of feminist readings are like this movie is not super like uh, great about its inclusion efforts it is uh, like written and directed by a woman and it is at, like stars women but it's it's like real strength is that it's um, women characters come together yeah and like obviously again I'm not necessarily qualified to talk about this but um, but here we are, right? Uh, I guess. I'm the only one qualified. <laughs> That's true. Everybody um, else, shut the fuck up. But I just like, this is, it's a movie about women having character arcs, and none of those character arcs are about how femininity is bad, which is like fucking rare mm-hmm. uh, in, in really frustrating ways. Like, especially for a movie like this, where like, it would be so easy and, and so common for Cher's arc in this movie to be like, oh, like, my materialism is bad. The fact that I like, in, I, I should say, materialism framed in explicitly feminine terms, right? Like, like, like she has traditionally like feminine interests. Yeah. Right. And, like, in so many movies, those would be the bad thing mm-hmm. that she had to outgrow. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and, and so it's cool and, and powerful to me that at the end of the movie, Cher is still fundamentally a feminine figure, and those feminine qualities are still positive and are still something that we are meant to think of as good. Okay. Um, and like, like, and they also lead to even more positive qualities, like the reconciliation with her friend or her ability to find uh, the good in other people and to sort of learn what what nurturing is in that way. Um, yeah, it's it's a movie that that is fundamentally concerned with critiquing a very feminine character without ever critiquing her femininity. femininity. 
It sounds I'm, like you agree, Eric. Yeah, I agree. And that's the, one of the reasons that I really enjoy Cher's character and I guess the movie in general is because she is like, it would be so easy for the movie to just say, oh, she's a stupid valley girl. I'm not girl. like the other girls. Yeah. Yeah. To be misogynistic, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so in terms of, like, her transformation to being a better person, she can still be herself. She can still, like, to go shopping, and that's not a bad thing, you know? Yeah, it, she... it's it's not it's not critiquing, or it's it's not misogynistically critiquing femininity. It, it has a positive view of femininity, which, mm-hmm. like, is maybe uh, damning with faint praise, I guess, but it feels like something significant which mm-hmm. is like maybe damning every other movie right but it's like wow like look that's a, a woman who enjoys being a woman and is traditionally and isn't punished feminine for enjoying and it. isn't punished right <laughs> exactly uh, not um, to lazily um kind of slap on a metric to this movie um i think we've already answered it um and i don't know if it's been brought up in previous episodes i could be wrong um but this movie passes the bechdel test right Yes, it has okay. to, right? Yes, I, I would think, think so. I believe. Can we explain what that is quickly? Okay. Yeah, because so, I'm, I've heard of it, but I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, so it's when there are women on like on the screen that are talking about something other than men. Okay, it's for just, a like, period one, of time. Yeah, like it's. I think it's just like one conversation yeah. that isn't about a man. Don't is, they have yes. to have like names and stuff too, or something? Or is that not a thing? That I, seems right. That feels yeah. like a given know. with most modern really, media. But yeah, I think I think that is one of the criteria. Okay. Yeah. And I think that there yeah. are several scenes in this movie where Cher and Dion are talking about Ty. Or they're yeah. talking mm-hmm. yep, or right. Cher and Dion are just talking together about, oh, I crossed a line, I'm sorry I said that. Like they're talking about their own relationships or about the relationships that they're they have with, other with each women. other. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's and it's interesting because, like, of course, talking about boys is going to be a big thing. They're high school girls. I'm sure high school boys talk about girls all the time, too. You know, so. Video games mostly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I just. I, and I think that another thing that's really cool is how dating and flirting and whether or not, like, you still have your virginity and stuff, it's all, c- like, communal information. Like, oh, you like this guy and you want to flirt with him? Let the collective help you do this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, uh, Ty was trying to get with this guy because Cher told her to, and so Cher and Dion are going to help set her up and do this thing, and it's it's like a community doing this. It's not just the one girl flirting with this guy and then telling her friends about it. (laughs) And it's also a movie that's really fundamentally concerned with, um, sorry, I sound really pretentious when I talk like that, Um, with, uh, with exploring nuance in feminine traits, right? Like, like Cher is always a nurturing person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get that from the start when she, um, like Eric said, she took over the role of her mother. She literally walks up to a portrait of her mother and sort of like examines it. It is like, I wish you were here. Or like, I, I like to think that you're looking down. Because she died from a routine liposuction. <laughs> Complications for like, routine. I got that. I'll video. point that out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, That's perfect. And like, the movie is interested in exploring like different aspects of that element of Cher's personality without undermining it. Like she's always nurturing. That nurturing can manifest in negative ways, like the need to control and change people to make them better on her terms. Um, she literally goes, yay, project, when they're talking about <laughs> Ty at one oh, point. Man. Great line. Um, but I mean, like... 
But like, by the end of the movie, it explores a more positive. Sorry, go right. ahead. Right, and her emphasis on nurturing is everywhere. For example, like when she doesn't want Ty to be with Josh, she's like, well, how is Ty supposed to take care of him like this? Who's going to do this for him? Who's going to help him with this? And then she goes, wait, I love Josh because she wants to take care of him. Which sucks, huh? I mean, like, it kind of sucks that the way that she gauges how much she loves someone is by doing things for them and serving them in some way. Is how much they need her. And how much they need her and how much she can help them. But also nurturing and taking care of people is a very feminine way of showing and feeling love. And so it makes sense that she would have that revelation after realizing she wants to take care of Josh like that. Yeah, And it does lead to a real, at least in my opinion, the movie categorizes it as a real self-betterment journey. Mm-hmm. Like she ends up in a better place, um, even if the last scene in the movie is not great. But that's... <laughs> Remind me how this movie ends? Uh, the, the wedding. wedding. Um, the wedding between Wallace Shawn and... Uh, Miss Geist, right? I'm going to use the the character's name, Geist, and Wallace Shawn is just his. uh, And they do the bouquet thing. um, And uh, she kisses Paul Rudd and then makes a joke about how they're not getting married because they don't live in, like, Utah or something. In Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, she's like... She she makes a joke about how they won't be getting married next because of how young she is. And it's like... Mm, maybe don't make the Kentucky joke because you guys are like step siblings yeah. and also he's way older it's than like you. It's like a weird yeah. glass houses thing and like <laughs> a weird yourself. line to give to Cher at that point in the movie when she's like becoming less judgmental and more about like how yeah. everyone has positive things they can contribute. I think that it was just a funny line that they wanted yeah. to write in. Well, and it was kind of a visual thing because they were kissing on the stairs and then she goes, and you know what happened next? And it shows like two of the, two people standing away from like not facing mm-hmm. the camera right. at, like, a wedding. So right. it's, it's supposed to be, like, a visual, like... A gag. Yeah. yeah. Nice subversion. Yeah. Yeah, so. subversion. So I think that was what that joke was about. I yeah, for sure. Um, do we have any favorite lines? So many favorite lines. I would like to point out, you guys weren't at the Trilon when we watched this, but mm. when the movie started and the credits started rolling, everyone in the theater was singing along to the opening song. Wow. wow. And like, like, they know a, their audience. And when the big lines happened, people were saying the lines out loud. This was and like wow. cheering. Wow. That was not I've my screening nev- at all. I've never wow. seen a Trilon uh, audience like this. Like People were so excited. It was... Uh, it it probably positively impacted how I felt about this movie because like that energy was like great. I, I loved mean, like, being there. When we watch this movie, we say like all mm-hmm. of the lines out loud. It's very like there's it's it's like Mean Girls in a way, you know, where it's like everybody knows all of the big lines. Mm-hmm. You've you said know? before that this was like this is like the the Mean Girls of the '90s. I feel like the okay. very different. Not, like, about the context of the movie, but, like, the feel, how much people watch it, how they know all of the lines. You know, I feel how like... it became sort of a touchstone for a generation. Yeah. And just the way that it's written, there's so many one-liners yes. in it. And I think also shares like intonation when she says things makes the <laughs> Alicia makes Silverstone it, is incredible in this I, movie. Yeah, she is, I think, perfect. Because it would be so easy, I think, for you did not like Cher because she is kind of whiny and like um she self-absorbed. uses the wine though she uses, she uses the wine and you so would think well. and you would th- yeah. yeah i know you would think that it would be like oh this is so annoying like <laughs> stop but like the way that she does it is like really good and i think her how she delivers the lines really makes it iconic what's the lines what's your favorite one or one of them <sighs> can we we can do other people and come back okay. cuz it's oh, a hard man. one it's uh, hard i 
I already brought up Granola Breath, yeah. which is one of my favorite moments in maybe any movie. Um, I did not personally get to say how great Alicia Silverstone was in this movie, so I'll just take my couple seconds uh-huh. to say that um, because she was She's absurdly, so absurdly good. Yeah. Um, it's uh, not... S- I mean, it's a line, and it's not. Um, when Ty is singing along to the Mentos commercial, I think that is my oh, other man. favorite scene. So good. It was just so... It's just a pure embodiment the of... Fresh <laughs> it's so fresh good. Oh and, like, also, like, another weird illustration of, of how this movie nails that that age group. Like, I remember singing along to commercials, <laughs> right? Like, that's totally. such a thing. I still know all the words to, like, the local jewelry store that, like, I heard the commercial for all throughout uh-huh. my youth. Like... Yeah. I mean, I think maybe not my favorite, but one that I think a lot of people said in the movie theater and that we like is I totally paused when she goes yep. straight through the stop sign. Yeah. <laughs> like she just takes that corner, goes up on the curb, and right. then Dion's like, sure, there's a stop sign. And she's like, I totally paused. It's such a good one. Uh, on that same boat, probably mine, having only seen the movie once and remembering very few of the actual lines, uh, where Paul Rudd, Josh says, like, you, or is it the driver's ed teacher he says one of them says that you can't even park and she's like why would you need to like everywhere you go has has valet Valet. yeah that's a good one (laughs) it's just a very like in that moment from that character to that character just such a good dumb line yeah uh there's a there's a part where she's driving like 60 miles an hour down a neighborhood and she just like destroys this other car (laughs) where like she's just like driving by and she just like rips I don't think she rips the door off but it's like that caliber of damage yeah Yeah, that's when she's taking her driver test yes right yeah exactly and without slowing down she just like looks over her shoulder and she goes ooh do you think I should leave a note and I I loved that uh I, lo- I looked this up, but um, I am totally butt crazy in love with Josh. It's very good. That's like one of the big revelatory lines. Like there's a there's like a choral like like swell. It's like no way. And then like that's what she says in that moment. It's really great. Uh, how about you? What do you got? I did the paused one. That's Eric. true. Okay. Well, I think, and I think we already talked about it. I mean, there's so many of them. So, but I think the. My favorite is when Josh is, or Christian is coming over and she says that she's like preparing and she goes, first we needed to develop a lighting so concept. <laughs> Just because that's so extra. Like, <laughs> it's so extra. Like, I don't know. I just I think know. it's so funny. Just like, who would even think of that? Yeah, and the, to do that. The extraness of Cher is like one of the funniest parts of this movie, right? Well, like yeah. in the very beginning, she goes like, "I'm just an ordinary girl like everybody else," and then she has like a computer program that helps her get <laughs> that, dressed yeah, in the uh, morning. So good, and then it, yeah, it's like mismatch. Yeah. yeah. It's like by the way, outfit. like that closet computer thing has been stolen by so many other things. Like when I was little, I think I saw like iCarly used it. Like everybody used it. And I think that. that's pl- I think I want to be a supermodel is. Pl- playing during that yes. scene. This movie rules. <laughs> uh, I just thought of another line I really liked. It's um, when Will Smith's character comes in and says... Uh, you know, Will, Smith? Will Smith? Yeah, he's like, that's it, huh? We're some kind of clueless. What? That? <laughs> we're done. So this that happened at one hour, 17 minutes, and we're going to cut out the two minutes preceding <laughs> and following that just to make sure we don't have cross-contamination with that. Bad, bad joke. <laughs> You're so disappointed. Wait, I don't get it. He was making a bad joke, and none oh, of okay. us laughed. <laughs> Wait, Will Smith Will, was which I'm fine with leaving in. 
Okay. I'm glad you're fine with leaving it in. Cody, you're I'm just a virgin it. who can't drive. <laughs> Oy, uh, my, one of my other favorite lines, I forget who it's even directed at, but Cher says it, and she's she says, like, uh, she's like a Monet, uh, like oh, great from good. far away, but when you get up close, it's a real mess. Yo, yeah, that is an incredible line. Unbelievable she, she burn. Is, like she is smart. Well, I mean, obviously, it's like the writing in it is really smart, but like the fact that Cher would, they would have Cher say that line mm-hmm. shows that there's something more going on. Up, you know what I mean? In universe, Cher is very smart. Yeah, uh, she she's like a, a child litigator, right? Like she mm-hmm. she argues her way to her position. Um, at one point, she's talking to her dad, and there's that funny line where where she's like. Uh, Daddy, I argued my B minus up to an A minus, and she goes like, "Are you proud of me?" And he says, "I couldn't be more proud if that you had actually earned that grade." <laughs> Which is like, or like, or like, how about that iconic speech that like we could probably between the two of us do when she's talking you about? Do Don't threaten it. I'll make you Are do you it. Talking about the Hadians. Yes. Oh, if we yeah. just like add more to the table, <laughs> like remember when Cher invented politics? Like, <laughs> that, is such, that is such a good like. That little speech that she has. Because she's totally right. She's just saying it in a way that doesn't make her seem smart, which is who she is. Yeah. And, and is a great sort of, oh, no, denouement for the movie. Um, uh. Yeah. Well, but, but like, it, it is, like, a, a perfect sort of encapsulation of, of Cher's whole character, right? Is that the idea that, like, she presents in a certain way that makes people think of her poorly, but... That's not, but she isn't, in, in fact, smart mm-hmm. and valid, and like those ideas are, are still good. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do the speech? No. <laughs> Please? Well, no, but. Um, <laughs> we can record it later and patch it in. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, she uses a good message, and she uses it in the context of what she knows, which, right. is, which is planning her dad's 50th birthday party, mm-hmm. which that's a good line, too, when, when um, Amber, which we haven't even talked about, oh, and God, she Amber. goes, and she goes, I really like Amber. I think she's a, she's a fun, well, she's the one who's the Monet, so yes. the full-on <laughs> Monet. Um, I mean, she tries to fix it. She gets a nose job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, um, where was I? I forgot where I was going with that. The oh yeah, and Hadians. she and she was like, "Oh, that wasn't good or whatever." And he was, like, Cher goes, "It was his fiftieth birthday party." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. Just the way she it's says great. things is yeah. so good. Um, uh, yeah. Um, what what is her name? Amber. Was Amber. The, she yeah. does the thing where she makes the W with her fingers goes, and goes, "Whatever." whatever. Is that I really where, love that. Is that where that comes from? This movie, like, was is that what everybody's quoting when they do that? And say whatever. I don't know because there's a lot of versions of it. Like when I was little, no one will be able to see this, but they, we used to do like whatever major loser. There's just like yeah. yeah, weird little things. I think like as if. I think. I mean, obviously, people said that before. I think that got really popular with. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. I think with as many times right, as she like uses when that it. guy came and like put his arm around her and she just shoves him super hard and goes as if like oh, that was so, so good. good. Her like. Share Alicia, rules. Alicia Silverstone sells this role in a like she does, or like there's this one where she I think it's when she's trying to change her grades and Mister um, Hall, at first just just like shoves her out of the room right um, and doesn't want to hear about her arguing her grades and she goes she goes I felt impotent and out of control which I really hate. <laughs> it's just like you, I don't know. It's just like the juxtaposition of like using like. She's, like, really smart, but she presents it in such a, like, 
stupid way, right. quote unquote. Because those are her terms. That's yeah. how she wants to present. That's because that's how she wants yeah. to present it. But she's actually super like she knows what's going on and is super I mean, smart. Like, that's what I love about her. Yes. Yeah. Like if she actually needed to, like if she were in law school, I think it would be pretty easy for her to like code switch into a different way of speaking. Cher could grow into the legally blonde character. She, I was just gonna say she is an Elwood. Yeah, yeah, she is. She Elwood. is. It's just that like the way that she speaks is part of her identity, and she's not gonna let that go just because somebody else thinks that it's stupid. Wow. Which is, is why, which is why which is why I love Cher. <laughs> um to give Amber a little more uh <laughs> not screen time because this is audio only. Airtime. Airtime. Wow, thank you. <laughs> yeah. no, um, airtime. We, we need Eric on this podcast some more. <laughs> um she helped contribute to I hate saying just another one of my favorite moments um, when they're at that party and Amber's wearing the dress that Cher had previously worn. Mm-hmm. Um, Big no, no. That's a good exchange. The, yeah. the, the look that Cher gives Amber, like that was the moment where I was like, this performance is so good. Because yeah. we'd only been You screen capped it, right? And yeah. put it in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, lo- I spent half half an hour at work um, looking for that moment. Just, Classic. Um, so I could screen cap it. But like up until that point, we had seen like, bright bubbly eager to help share and then like that was really one of the few shades of like this is like using her influence not even for evil but just like you know what i mean mm-hmm. just like that glow that glower glower she was glower is good she was definitely glowering she was glowering. there was glowering happening it was a good glower i am glowering <laughs> jason right is also glowering mic. uh yeah the more and more that charlie talks about and, and eric talk about this movie the more and more i'm I'm warming up to it. I don't know if it gets that extra half a star for me, but I think it's a coveted. movie that you watch more than once. Probably, I think that you like, would like it more the second time you saw it. It's such I a watchable so. movie too. Be- and yeah, yeah, I like, would love to watch it's this such, movie just again. A fun time in all too. respects, yeah. in like uh, in cinematography, in pacing, it's very it's very watchable. Like the first time around, it's but once once I like know where it's going, what it's doing with all of the tools it's presenting, I can sort of see where it, like I could I think I could warm to it a second time more. Uh, specifically with respect to like Charlie was talking about uh, how she uses and and Harry you commented on it too about how she uses like her own lens her own understanding of the world to like not necessarily uh, impose her sort of perceptions of people and relationships and cliques and cultures onto them but like we see them through her eyes. And she brings them, she wants to bring them in, right? Which isn't exactly yeah. the same as an imposition but it's still a breach, right? Right, it, and it sort of like gets at an overarching theme of like sort of bridging boundaries between co-cultures, especially in, like, high school where those are, like, mixed and really hard to break sometimes. Uh, they do it. They they even do, like, a click scene in the first act when, mm-hmm. when Ty's being introduced to the school where they go over who all the clicks are. They spend Classic late... in every high school movie. I mean, it's I the Mean Girls lunch scene. Yeah, right? it no, is. It's, it's it always is. the best. Uh, it's... To me, that, like, speaks to a larger... What this movie might have been trying to say that I didn't catch the first time in that, like... Um, clueless she's she's clueless and everybody's clueless because they're sort of separated into their own little cliques into their own little cultures they're not really like developing any real empathy or understanding of one another's like views of the world uh, until like by the end most of them have like found a middle ground the stoner's no longer really a stoner but he's still like kind of a dipshit um, skater. He's, yeah, he's a skater. skater now. He's a skater now. He's it not really, a stoner. Like stopping smoking really brought his skating game up. <laughs> yeah, that he's does still, happen. He's donating two bongs to the Pismo yeah. Beach kitchenware. disaster. Yeah, she's like, I'll put it to kitchenware. kitchenware. That's where I used to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think I've warmed to this. Yeah, movie I think quite that's a really a good take. Does anybody feel different? Like in the way, not necessarily better or worse, but like, do you feel any different about it after talking? You guys have probably watched you, Eric and Charlie, probably watched this movie enough that your opinions and thoughts on it are pretty set in stone. But yeah, like, I, f- I mean, like they're not set in stone, but I feel like I have my understanding of the movie enough that watching it more wouldn't change it too much. Mm-hmm. So, what it's do you totally guys think? fair. Um, I want to watch it again. I uh, I really enjoyed it the first time. Um, I had some issues with the the Paul Rudd stuff. Uh, I said his name right this time. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, thank you, Cody. Um, You're welcome. Uh, but I, I think that I I would like to reexamine that part and see if if I feel like the it feels more legit to me than it did. Um, uh, yeah, I think that that the stuff that Jason you said and that Eric said about um, coming of age through seeing how you can learn from other people and how you can be affected by positive elements of other cultures or other understandings, other lenses through which to view life mm-hmm. without necessarily sacrificing your own is an interesting and nuanced um, sort of tightrope to walk. And I think this movie does a pretty good job of pulling it off mm-hmm. because of who Cher is and like what a great character contribution to cinema she is like i really like yeah. think that she's like an icon of Definitely. uh yeah yeah i like clueless um well, <laughs> for, for all the, the for all the reasons that we've talked about um i think jason if we wanted to get you um you know more warmed up to this movie i think a great next step for us would be seeing uh clueless the jukebox musical which we may have, have does anybody know about this I'm sorry. i think we may have missed the boat on it um so uh, it opened on Broadway on December 11th. Um, it had showtimes running only through January 12th. It, I don't think there's any indication that it's going to come back. Um, there was a stage adaptation of this? Yeah. So uh, this is from Wikipedia, um, and I quote, As a non-traditional jukebox musical, the show uses 80s and 90s songs as the entire score with lyric changes to fit the scene. So it seemed like they were <laughs> acting out the movie and then just throwing in like pop renditions sung by the cast. Um, things like You Can't Touch This, Barbie Girl, Bye Bye Bye, What's Up. I think that's a pretty common um, like idea in Broadway right now, right, is jukebox musicals. That's uh, yeah. like a thing. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that I'm really uh, bummed that we won't get to experience, presum- presumably it's all done, but How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? I think that's Michael Bolton. That is the song sung, sung by Mr. Hall and Miss Geist, <laughs> which just seems like an incredible thing to watch. Especially, Especially if when they could get Wallace. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow, what I wouldn't give <laughs> to see Wallace Shawn sing that song. Are you kidding me? That would be insane. And Wallace Shawn is just one of the many reasons why I will gladly watch this movie whenever given the chance. Yeah. Super watchable. Um, there are things that, um, Charlie, as you mentioned, that like you can choose to overlook or not overlook um, and just kind of accept uh, that, it, you know, chalking it up to high school um, or just the time um, beyond that. I think there are a lot of really good things here. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, I was pretty sour on it to begin with. I don't know if I'm super sweet on it now, but my opinion has changed, I think, just in our conversation. Thank you for being the group of people who have to convince me that something good is actually good. We did it. <laughs> that's that's I what did we my, do. I did my job. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Far more successfully than I ever have. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, somehow, Eric, you've been like the only actual member of this podcast since we started well, this episode. I, I true. That's true, but... 
when um, we when we sorry when we preface uh like this thing of trying to convince jason that this movie is good we should put in the audio of uh share saying project <laughs> Ooh, that's a great idea oh, okay take I will. this part out <laughs> and put it in <laughs> uh, do that work now jason <laughs> uh is that anybody else have any lingering thoughts about this movie anything you didn't get off your chest it's got a great cast I guess we already talked about that, but we, it does. Can you we make did. the intro of the supermodel song? <laughs> I'll, I'll see what... Uh, we'll just all sing it. What MBAA rules are. Yeah. <laughs> there was more Radiohead in this movie than I remember there being. What? Um, to what? the point where I think Fake Plastic Trees is like Josh's musical cue. Um, which, which is also fantastic, right? Like the yeah. idea that this dude would be like... <laughs> that this like wannabe, yeah. like d- this college freshman is represented by Radiohead is... Too real. Chef's kiss. <laughs> But no, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I am also done. So uh, this has been another episode of Try Love. I'm about Clueless. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Thank thanks you for, for listening. Thanks for coming, guys. This yeah. was great. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for waving, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Is there a good Clueless joke we can yeah. do?